Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, Whoa. fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Friday, April 22nd. At this point in time next week, we will likely be wrapping up the first round of the NFL Draft and probably talking a little bit about round two or three, or maybe we'd be probably kicking off, I think, in about an hour-ish maybe from right now. So maybe we'll catch yeah we'll, like, we'll be like all right who was snubbed in the first round we'll be talking yeah. about that who we ex- who we expect to go yeah I, who's yeah. gonna trade up for that thirty third pick if I'm being honest I cannot wait for it to get here and get over with because there's just been a lot of crazy stuff going on Twitter with this draft I think a lot of it's just because it's it's not consensus which is what we are going to talk about today. I have. I saw that you put your ranks in the show sheet. I have not looked at. I saw the tier. I'm assuming those were the tier one guys. I saw those. I haven't looked at your ranks. I'm going to look at my. Well, those weren't discuss- really my ranks. Oh, okay. those were the those were the consensus rookie ranks from Dynasty Nerds. Gotcha. My thought okay. initially was just because while we were putting the sheet together and talking about, well, are we going to do positional? Are we going to do them all? And as I was building the sheet, I'm like, well, are we just you know, do we want to talk about where Dynasty Nerds consensus is and versus where we have them? And so I kind of threw it on there, but we can okay, disregard that because we're doing positional or maybe yeah, refer just, to it as needed. And I was like, okay, interesting. I just, like I said, I just looked at the first couple because I'm very curious. Like we've obviously, if you guys want to know our thoughts before we get into that, actually, we are proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. I think I said that, but I did not mention you can find them at pigskin.net on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. Uh, we, we hashtag that as we go live, as do most of the other podcasts. Uh, we have done episodes on our thoughts on a lot of these rookies, so you can go search through our feed, search through the Campus to Canton feed, which we are also on. Um, you can check the YouTube channel uh, at Campus to Canton as well. You can find our rookie talks. For today, we're going to give you guys our final rankings as we head into the draft. Again, it's... For me specifically, I'll just say this now so I don't have to like hopefully repeat myself. I'll probably will anyways because I just do it. But to hopefully avoid repeating myself many times today, my rankings likely will not change much from this outside of someone like just absolutely falling a la A. I'll use Jamar Jefferson last year, who's a running back I was very high on. Um, I believe I had him as my fourth or fifth running back last year. Um, and obviously he went in the sixth or seventh round and you have to drop him. You can't have your RB four going in the seventh round of the NFL draft. If something like that happens and my guess would be, that's going to be Kyron Williams. Cause I'm still fairly high on him. 
he'll drop a little bit in my ranks. But outside of that, I'm not really going to move anybody up or move anybody down. These will be my ranks regardless of landing spot. We've talked a lot about it over the past couple of years. That's why we did not, uh, we were not all in on, on pumping CEH up. We still faded CEH on this show. Just because he landed with the Chiefs doesn't mean that he's a better player than when he was coming into the draft. So with that being said, uh, that is what we're going to talk about today. Um, Monday, though, Dennis, you were able to get us a special guest. Do you want to announce that here really quick? And obviously we'll plug that more over the weekend. Yeah, we are going to uh, – we have Scott Barrett, DFS. Uh, no, wait, what are the letters after his Twitter name? I guess I should have looked that up. Anyways, you know him from FantasyPoints.com, uh, all his various and sundry other statistical maneuverings. Uh, Scott's a super smart guy in the, the fantasy space, and I'm super excited to have him on. Super is my word of the day. So let's go and do a super show today to get ready for a super show on Monday. It is Scott Barrett DFB. B. I thought it was DFS as well. It is DFB on Twitter, so you guys can uh, definitely follow him. I mean, Fantasy Points is one of the uh, one of the premier sites, in my opinion. They're, they're one that I, I really do enjoy uh, looking at, listening to, seeing everything that they do. All right, so before we jump into our ranks, though, we need to talk a little bit more about Debo Samuel. We obviously discussed, the rumors were just coming out last time that we did a show about him possibly wanting to be traded. I don't believe the news had broken just yet that he had actually requested a trade. Since that episode, he has requested a trade. And according to him, at least, he is saying it is not about the money. It's just about the usage, and he doesn't feel valued in San Francisco. I mean, I can honestly kind of see that. Look, the we know that running back has got the shortest shelf life in, in all the NFL, and they were using him like a running back at times and a wide receiver, and then when the guy wants to get paid, he's doing everything for the team, trying to help the 49ers win, make it to a Super Bowl. Now the guy wants to get paid, and like, yeah, we don't want to pay you that much. I kind of get not feeling valued and wanting to get out of there. My biggest fear is I don't know what team trades for him because I would think you're not going to get what – uh, the Packers got for Devontae Adams, right? You're not going to get a first and a second round pick for Debo, at least in my opinion. Maybe you can get a first, but you're not going to get a first and a second. And I would think whatever team trades for him is likely going to then have to pay him if they want him to stay around. Nobody's going to give up a first round pick unless they're absolutely all in on a Super Bowl this year. So I don't know what his trade value actually is, but Dennis, kind of what are your thoughts on this whole Debo thing? And do you think he gets traded? Because I think if he does, next weekend's going to be the prime spot to move him during the draft so i think the challenge that debo is facing uh is that he wants to be a number one wide receiver and while he produced really good last season or this past season he hasn't been consistent to start his career um he's he's been up and down and then being used as a running back, I get it. I mean, we we heard Austin Eckler this uh, toward, at the beginning of this offseason, you know, on his show with Liz Loza and, and stuff talking about, you know, I really think my workload needs to be reduced if I'm going to stay effective because Eckler's a five foot ten, 195 pound running back. And while he's he's built great, he knows that he can't take 20 carry a game beating night week after week after week and then there's the other thing so the the whole salary issue and getting paid and being valued as a running back well running back has an important role in nfl offenses 
teams just don't value it. The franchise tag for a running back this year was $9.57 million. And the franchise tag for a wide receiver was $18.42 million, like twice as much. And I can see Debo saying, look, it's great that the team made the playoffs, but we didn't go – I, it's not in my best financial interest to keep playing running back, not for you, not for anybody, in part because I'm a really, 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 really good wide receiver. And if you've got a quarterback that can't get me the ball, uh, an unproven second-year guy that you traded up for to get, and then once you got him in camp, you went, mm, maybe we shouldn't play this guy, and we kept a journeyman quarterback game manager, uh, I can see where Debo might have some trepidation going into a contract year and wanting to get a new contract. It's silly. I mean, you you can't – I, I don't want to ding him for getting injured at the beginning of his career coming out of South Carolina because injuries happen. It's a violent sport, and you're, injury, you're either injury-prone till you're not or you're not injury-prone until you are. And – I expect he's going to have a nice long career, but much like Debo, I would prefer it be a wide receiver, not a running back. Yeah, I would think whatever team, if there is a team that trades for him, is going to use him primarily at wide receiver. I'm sure he's still going to get some kind of, whether it's jet sweeps or maybe a couple carries here and there, but I don't think they'll use him the way San Francisco did, assuming he does get traded. All right, so let's talk about our quarterbacks. You mentioned Trey Lance, who a lot of buzz over the past couple days is one Malik Willis out of Liberty. Uh, All the reports are from multiple, apparently, AFC coordinators, coaches, NFC coordinators and coaches are that Malik Willis is a better quarterback prospect than Justin Fields and Trey Lance, according to these coaches and coordinators. Let's just start... um, Really, to me, there's only five guys we're talking about, but go ahead. Just give us your whole five. Give us your top five quarterbacks, how you have them ranked coming into the draft. So I I don't know. I, I feel like that's a lot of smokescreen talking about Malik Willis. Malik Willis is good, but to this point, he's played very poor competition. He's had low lower completion percentages. He's played in a one-read-and-run-it offense for his college career. He's got tools. Uh, I don't know if his arm is stronger than Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Um, I don't know that he's as accurate as either one of those guys yet. But Willis is my QB1. I have Sam Howell at two. I'm, you know, I'm I'm in on Howell. I, I think he brings a lot to the table. And in this class, it's, there's a lot of questions about virtually all of the candidates. Um, Desmond Ritter is my QB three, Matt Corral, uh, QB four, Kenny Pickett's my QB five, uh, Carson Strong at six, and EJ uh, Perry at seven. All right, so yeah, we we have a little bit different. And so how I did mine, and granted, I mean, just you guys can take this however you want. I tried to do mine based on how I do a lot of my grading for the freshman quarterbacks as we do a lot of that stuff for campus to Canton. I did that last year with my quarterbacks. Um, I ended up with Trevor Lawrence was the highest by 0.3 points over Justin Fields. I then had uh, Trey Lance at third. 
Uh, who was it? Mac Wilson at fourth and Zach Wilson third or Mac Jones. I'm sorry, not Mac Wilson, Mac Jones. That's how my quarterback rankings ended up last year. None of the quarterbacks I graded this year ranked higher than any of the ones I graded last year. That includes Mac Jones. But when mine came out this year, that I had Matt Corral. Reasonable. Yeah. Uh, Matt Corral came out as my highest, uh, a little bit over Sam Howell uh, by 0.1 points. My third quarterback actually ended up being Desmond Ritter at 79.4, right ahead by 0.6 points over Malik Willis. And then it was Kenny Pickett and Carson Strong came in last. He was uh, the bottom guy at 77.1. Those were, those were kind of how I graded my guys. My biggest fear with Willis, and so I just go based 100% on the way I did mine, and I, I talk a little bit about it in the QB videos I did for the Camps to Canton YouTube page. It's just clearly based what I see on film. It has nothing to do with like projecting upside because my biggest thing with quarterbacks is I think those are the hardest to project upside for. It matters so much the system you get into, the coaching you have around you, and realistically the draft capital you get. Draft capital matters more to me at quarterback than any other position because we've seen the past, I would say, four or five years Wide receivers and running backs have shown that they can get drafted in the fifth, sixth, seventh, or undrafted and produce if given the shot. But it does matter for quarterbacks. So Malik Willis, I will 100% admit, if he can put it all together, has the highest upside in this class. But I also think he's the furthest of away from a lot of these guys, outside of Carson Strong. And I think that's because Carson Strong has to be he's in such an outlier position in my opinion like he's the best passer in this class he, his arm is incredible very accurate but he doesn't have he has almost zero mobility and I've brought this up before I think when you're that kind of quarterback your mind has to be like elite because you have to be able to process defenses you have to know where you're going with the ball every second you're in the pocket where all those other quarterbacks are at least have some kind of mobility that can buy them time in case they don't see what's going on. So I think Carson Strong has to be almost in like that 98th percentile of quarterback to succeed. So that's why he ended up grading out lowest for me. What, what kind of your thoughts on Carson Strong? Because I, I did, I have seen some positive stuff, some positive buzz at least uh, lately about him. So I like Carson Strong's game. He's not going to win you anything outside the pocket. Uh, but he does have good pocket mobility. He's able to slide front to back, side to side to avoid pressure and make quick decisions and get the ball out. But much like Matt Ryan, he's not going to, he's not running for anything. Yeah. He's not going to do any rollouts. He's not doing any of that stuff, but he's got a great arm. He thinks quick. He's got a good release. He's accurate. It for him. He he's like a little bit, but he's like below what the perception of Mac Jones was last year. Just he, you know, you had four athletic guys in Mac Jones. Here you've got one athletic guy, four kind of athletic guys, or you actually I'd count Ritter as athletic. So two athletic guys, three kind of athletics, and, and Carson Strong, who's the prototypical pocket passer in this class. He's going to have to, he can't go somewhere where you don't have a good offensive line. He's not going to be able to um, uh, avoid pressure uh, if he has to hold the ball. He needs people that are going to get open, <clears throat> excuse me, to get open, allow him time to, to throw them open. So it with him, 
if he doesn't have a good offensive line, his game is going to look like Ben Roethlisberger last year. You know, step and one step, drop, throw, one step, drop, throw. That's that's what Strong will be like if he has a lousy offensive line. Yeah, his his landing spot is going to be very intriguing for me. I, I had him rated as one of the better arms in this class. I did have his poise and pocket manipulation rated fairly high as well, both eights uh, for me. So I, I did have him rated fairly high there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what happens with these guys. We've talked a lot about it. So I guess this is probably the final time we're going to get to do a lot of draft talk because as we do have Scott Barrett on on Monday, and then the next time we will be live will be after the first round. So at this point next week, how many quarterbacks do you think we're, we're recapping that went in the first round? And who do you think they will be? You know, it, it's if, if more than two go, it's going to be because teams trade back into the first round to take uh, a couple of them. And, and granted, it, it only takes one team to fall in love with you to, to get you picked somewhere. You know, to be Mitchell Trubisky at two or, or Daniel Jones at six or uh, Dwayne Haskins, where was he, eight or 12, somewhere in there. It, it yeah, only takes uh, eight or nine, but yeah. Yeah, it, it only takes one team to say, this is our guy. If I, I think that Pittsburgh, if they want Willis, I feel like they're going to have to go up and get the, get him. Carolina. I struggle because a lot of times coaches will draft a rookie to buy time when they're on the hot seat. And if Matt rule does that because he, they, they botched the move with Sam Darnold. And I don't know if the move was botched so much as it was, he just fell apart. He started off great. I'm not sure it, what happened, you know, is Christian McCaffrey, I guess, that big a part of the offense that after week four or week five, whatever it was, uh, that Darnold just completely fell apart without him. Um, I don't know. I feel like Darnold has a little bit more talent than that, but obviously he's not showing it. Uh, a lot of teams like Matt Corral because he, you know, again, he's got a lot of starts under his belt, uh, but he played in an RPO offense for the most part. And so that limits a little bit of the mental game for him. He's going to really have to show that. I like Sam Howell for me, if I'd love for Detroit to grab Sam Howell at like 30, what do they have? 34, 35 early in the second round, get a couple guys that, that they positions they really need in the first round. And then Howell fall to him. Ritter is really the wild card for me. Because a team is going to have to believe they can um, make him more accurate. Because, again, much like uh, Matt Corral, he's not a big guy. He's tall. He's, what, 6'3", but he's only like 2'10". And he ran a 4'5", 9 at the Combine. So he can run. Yeah, it was right around really Mariota. Yeah, he's got to improve his throwing accuracy. I, I think to to become a suitable NFL quarterback. My my issues are, you know, I, I like Sam Howell. I think he's, but you know, he's a QB sixteen to fourteen to eighteen for fantasy. After a couple of years, I think he's a mobile Baker Mayfield, is what Sam Howell is. 
Yeah, he's not going to put a team on his back. Matt Corral, he's going to need to really improve the accuracy, like I said. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't go out searching for comps. And I, for me, I'd like to see Desmond Ritter land in Tennessee backing up um, Tannehill because I think his game is kind of similar to Tannehill with the rollouts and the mobility and being able to do those kinds of things. And that would allow him to learn for a year or two to grow past the RPO offense. Pickett's the one I struggle with um, because he, he didn't, he wasn't real productive until that fifth year. I know he started a good amount of games, 36 games or 40 games. He has a lot of starts, but he didn't put up great numbers until that last year, which happened to coincide with Jordan Addison hitting the Pittsburgh uh, Panthers campus. And so it's like, you know, it, to me, it's like, is it a, a James Lofton guy, Benjamin situation? And I know you're asking yourself, who's Guy Benjamin? Um, you'll have to look it up. Uh, we know who James Lofton is. So we'll see. Yeah, if I had to put money on it, I think three probably go. I feel like Malik Willis is the only one. I shouldn't even say. I think Malik and Kenny are probably the two that are locked in for sure. It seems like just in almost every mock, they're going somewhere in the first round. Those two seem to be getting the most buzz. But the third one, I think, is really up in the air. And I'm with you. I think it's likely someone trading back in or one of those teams that maybe it's Detroit just staying there at 32 or, yeah, 32 and taking a quarterback there because they don't take one early. Does one of those other teams trade up? You know, I, I, I do think Ritter has a chance. I know we talked a little bit about this, I think, last week. I, I'm a little bit on the opposite side of you and uh, Matt that I do think Ritter can play early just because of how smart he supposedly is with, with football and, and how much he worked with the offense and knows football. And, and we have seen a lot of that. There was a lot of positive talk about that out of the Senior Bowl. Some of the teams that he's visited, they talk about he's just very, very smart when it comes to football. Um, you mentioned him going to Tennessee. I, I think I talked about then. It's sort of that. I want him to go to Atlanta because of what Arthur Blank was. Not Arthur Blank. I always say Arthur Blank. Arthur Smith was able to do with Ryan Tannehill when he was at Tennessee as the offensive coordinator. Now that he's there, I think that's why he brought in Marcus Mariota because he's kind of like that. And if they take Ritter, I could see him kind of helping improve Ritter's accuracy a little bit. And he's never going to be what Josh Allen became right coming out of, of college with like that 60% completion percentage. And now he's up in the seventies in the NFL. That's not going to be Ritter. I'm just, let's just be honest. Ritter doesn't have that talent that Allen does, but I do think Ritter could be a competent starting quarterback and possibly a QB two for you. I'm very intrigued to see where he lands. And then, you know, Sam Howell and Matt Corral are both very high for me. I'd be very curious to see where they end up going. Uh, there's been a lot of talk this week that, you know, Matt Corral is full of himself and all this other stuff. So I'm sure a lot of it is just smoke screens. We're in that we're in that week now where like everything is they're trying every team's trying to throw you off of who they want, who they don't want. So there's gonna be a lot of weird stories coming out. Uh, I'm I'm gonna be very curious to see whereas why well, cannot wait for this time next week because we can just finally be talking about what actually happened. So let's move on to the running backs. We have seen over the past couple of years that a lot of the talk, obviously, that the position has been devalued a little bit. 
We don't think that there's going to be a, a running back taken in the first round. I was listening, I know you do sometimes as well, um, to the Fantasy Football Morning Show with John Hanson, and he took Brees Hall to the Buffalo Bills in the first round this morning. He said that it's just it's a need for them. It. There's yeah, so there's Buffalo Bills beat writers, if you guys did not listen to that this morning, that have actually said that they think that that's a possibility. He is the only running back, in my opinion, that I think would be in this class. I think it's still very unlikely. I would not bet money on that. Uh, I just don't think it happens. Uh, but what are kind of your running back rankings? Go as deep as you want here, and then we can kind of – I'll give you mine, and then we'll kind of dive into the class a little bit. So I have – Hall at one, Kenneth Walker at two, Isaiah Spiller at three, Rashad White at four, James Cook five, Zamir White six, Damian Pierce seven, Kyron Williams, Brian Robinson, Jerome Ford, Tyler Badee, uh, and Keontae Ingram are my top 12 running backs. All right, so mine here, let me pull mine up. Uh, so based on my grades here, I have Brees Hall at one, Kenneth Walker at two, just barely ahead of Isaiah Spiller by 0.1 points. Then it's still Kyron Williams at four, just because he, everything he does on film, he is a good running back. That I, I don't believe he's as bad as his testing numbers showed, uh, but I do think that's probably going to hurt him when it comes to the draft, unfortunately. As Amir White at five. Tyler Algier at six, Abram Smith out of Baylor at seven, Rashad White at eight, Kevin Harris at nine, Zonovan Knight at 10, Damian Pierce at 11, and Brian Robinson Jr. at 12, just a smidge ahead of Jerome Ford. It was a very tough battle for me between those two, but Brian Robinson came out graded higher, uh, so... That is where that fits for me. Um, you mentioned Tyler Batty and Conte Ingram, who I do like. Um, Batty, I think more is probably just going to end up being a receiving back. So I do think he's got a shot and like probably has a better shot than some of those other guys that I mentioned, like a Kevin Harris, Damian Pierce of securing a role because of how good of a receiver he is. How I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. Do you think that? Everybody has those top three in some order, right? Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and Isaiah Spiller. In some order. I have seen some people as of late have really dropped Isaiah Spiller. I would not do that. I, I, I think people are reading too much into some of that testing. Do you think all three of those guys go round two? Uh, you know, the, the draft is fairly high quality at a lot of positions. And... I, for me, I, I would lean towards no. I, I feel like Spiller is probably a third-round guy. Um, you know, Walker caught the ball well in drills. My, my biggest concern with Walker is that he's 5'9". He's a super dynamic runner, but he's not, he, he, he's not small, but he's not tall. So he's, he's very compact, you know. Hall is is the class of this running back crop. Uh, but Isaiah Spiller, my issue wasn't necessarily the testing. It's that he, for as big as he is, he runs soft. And to me, you know, he'll have some plays where he'll express some physicality, and then he'll have some plays where he just goes down or he, he you know, he, he is he doesn't take on he'll be in the open field 
and he doesn't take on the smaller guy effectively. So he, to me, I, I think Spiller needs to be a little bit more physical. Uh, but if I had to guess, I feel like we're looking at uh, two round two guys and a, a round three guy. And I, I'm not really sure anybody else creeps into day two. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Isaiah Spiller is the first running back off the board. I've seen that in a lot of mocks recently, too, which is I don't think there for me personally, I don't think there's much that separates Walker and Spiller because I do agree with you on Spiller. Like there will be some runs where you'll see him drop his shoulder, take on a linebacker, and then he'll be brought down by a cornerback on like the next run. It would just like an easy tackle. And it's, it's very confusing for the way that he runs. Brees Hall, I think, is just, in my opinion, he has been for the past three years. I think it's a little bit of prospect fatigue, in my opinion, that everybody's starting to be like, ah, he's not the rusher that Kenneth Walker is, and he's not the receiver that Spiller is. He's just the better prospect, in my opinion. I understand people, and if you want, if people want to disagree with that, that's fine, but in my opinion, he, he is the best. I would expect him and Walker probably go round two. I wouldn't be surprised if Spiller does as well. But I do agree with you. I think he's more likely a, a round three pick. And I, I don't know that any of these other guys go. Like, I'm with you. Had Kyron Williams tested well, I think he would have gone in the third round. But because he did it, like, I don't see – I think the rest of these guys – I wouldn't even be surprised if we only see maybe one or two of those guys outside those top three go round four, and then everybody else is round five and beyond. Is, is there one guy that – whether it's in your top 12 or outside your top 12, that as long as they get drafted, just based on what you saw skill set wise, you're going to be willing to take a shot on them because you just think the talent is there. Um, I So my kind of outside guy, sleeper guy, is Cameron Harris out of Miami. Uh, I, I think he, he, he has a pedigree, but he didn't have a great college career. And if he if scouts feel like he showed them enough potential that they want to give him a chance, uh, I think Dynasty Price is, is kind of in on him as well as a, a later round guy that you want to stash and hope that uh, and see where the draft capital shakes out. Um, but with so many, I, I was thinking about it just this week. So with the devaluation of the running back position, is it really, you know, do we need to adjust sort of the, where we see the success coming from? Now it's, you know, it's day two, you're gonna have the occasional day one or maybe two day one guys, but then you've got day two, but now like, is, is there gonna be a separation in like rounds four or four and five from five and from six and seven and undrafted free agents. So like, will we start to see really productive guys coming out of round five in round six? So I'll be interesting to start to kind of track that and start to look back with the devaluation of the running back position, because as, essentially people are viewing it. Now teams view it. It's a one contract position. You, you, draft them, you've got them for four years, you ride them hard, you put them away wet. Three or four years later, you draft a brand new one, you ride it hard, put them away wet, you know, and just don't don't worry about it. You just keep churning them. Um, 
And another guy that I, I like, you know, I feel like Tyler Buddy, he's a little bit smaller than Austin Eckler, but he kind of has that Austin Eckler skill set. Um, you know, he can run, he, he runs well inside, but uh, I think he's what, 5'8 and 190 or something like that. Uh, what's he listed here? Yeah, he's Five, not, eight, he's not, he's not very, but yeah. he did run hard at Missouri. Like it, it wasn't a thing where he was, he wasn't taking any kind of punishment. So I'll give him that. Right. You know, but he caught 54 passes last year. So he caught what? 126 passes for his career. Um, if he, if he lands in a spot where he can be, that Austin, he can be the lightning to the thunder. Um, you know, maybe he becomes a guy with a six or seven year stretch of relevance, you know, catching you know, 125, 150 carries and catching, you know, 60 passes, 70 passes a year. Yeah, so mine is a guy that I brought up before, and, and it's Abram Smith out of Baylor. Uh, we talked a little bit about him. I think it was last Monday's show. It may have been even Monday a couple days ago, uh, where I brought up the the stats of what he was able to do. And I know it was one year, moved back and forth. He's torn both his ACLs. So, like, he hasn't had the picture-perfect, you know, college career that you want. But I do think he's a very productive running back, and he's a guy that if he gets draft capital – and all honesty, even if he doesn't, depending on where he goes, I'd be willing to take a shot on him because I just think the talent is there. And, and for me, the way that I've kind of started to attack rookie drafts um, in the past couple of years is I just feel like we've seen this. And I was having a discussion. I'm, I'm actually wearing the Destination Debbie sweatshirt. We were having a discussion in, in a, one of his groups the other day. It seems like every year these wide receivers, there's always a buy window at some point. You could buy Jamar Chase last last offseason because he couldn't catch the ball, right? There are people who were like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to pivot off of him because he can't catch the ball. Jalen Waddle because of the injury. And even now, again, with Tyreek Hill going to Miami, people are starting to worry about Jalen Waddle. There's, there's always been these buy windows on these wide receivers. Running back is such a fickle position because of just how how you just mentioned it. These teams will ride these guys. They get beat up. The injuries, they're very often here at the running back position. So I am willing to take running backs later in rookie drafts that as long as I think they have the talent, I know that they're one injury away from being starters. We saw it with James Robinson. We saw it last year with Khalil Herbert, who's a guy that I talked about on here on Debbie Debate last year. He's a guy like, look, he's got the talent. If, if someone gets hurt, if and at that time I didn't know Tariq Cohen wasn't going to play the entire season, but I was like, if Tariq Cohen gets hurt or if David Montgomery gets hurt, Khalil Herbert could do something. He was a top 15 running back for multiple weeks while Montgomery was out, and then when Montgomery came back, he went back to being a backup. But I'm fine with that. You take a shot on those guys in your third or fourth round of your rookie drafts, and if they pan out for you, that's great. And you can flip those guys. There were people flipping Khalil Herberts for second and first round picks last year when he was starting for David Montgomery because we weren't sure when Montgomery was coming back and how good Herbert was uh, out of the stretch or out of the gate. Abram Smith was one of those guys for me. I just think he he's an okay pass catcher. I did not grade his hands that highly. He got a lot of screen passes. And for me, I'd rather see you doing other things, like whether it's wheel routes or actually running like Texas routes and catching the ball. The screen passes are not that impressive to me. But everything else, he rated very high for me. So he's a guy that I'd be willing to bet, be all in on. I do like the Tyler Batty call as well because of how good of a receiver he is. Uh, Jerome Ford's another one. Like, he's a guy, I don't, 
He's a decent receiver. I think he's a really good inside rusher, and he's very explosive. So he's another guy that, like, I'm willing, depending on where he goes, again, he may be an injury away from putting up decent fantasy weeks for you until that starter comes back. Those are a couple guys for me that I'm willing to bet on late in drafts because, again, I don't think any of those guys are going to be second-round rookie picks this year because I can't imagine any of those guys go fourth round. They're probably all fifth or later round picks, and if that's the case, people are just going to fade them because it seems like, because I agree with you, like I I think some people, we need to start shifting the narrative. We're not going to see maybe next year with Bijan. Bijan may be the next running back we see go in the first round. We're rarely going to see running backs go in the first round anymore, so we need to shift the narrative back. Like If they don't go second or third round, it doesn't mean these guys are bad running backs. Like These teams are just devaluing the position. We as a fantasy industry need to adjust to that as well. All right, let's talk about the the wide... Go ahead. I was just agreeing with you. Okay. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all all new customers a free shot at a million of dollars in total prizes in their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings. Kings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL 21 and up restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP or 1-877-770-7867. 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NY-467-389 in New York. Visit OPGR.org in Oregon. Call or text TN-REDLINE-1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-800-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and up, 18 and up in New Hampshire or Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, And Los Angeles, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, and Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Only minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Let's talk about the wide receivers because that definitely seems to be the, the strongest group in this class. Where or how do you have your guys, your top 12 ranked, um, and, and kind of give me your, your top guys in the class? So I've got Wilson at one, London at two, 
Williams at four. So it's Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jamison Williams. Traylon Burks at four. Uh, George Pickens, five. Chris Olave, six. Jahan Dotson, seven. Christian Watson, eight. Sky Moore, nine. Wandale Robinson, 10. And John Mechie, 11. And Alec Pierce, 12. I like that you have Alec Pierce in your top 12 because not a lot of people do. And I was... I did not expect to like him as much as I ended up liking him when I was grading out a lot of his stuff for the film. So for me, Garrett Wilson was one, Drake London two, and then Traylon Burks came in as three. Those are my only uh, uh, tier one guys. Uh, Jameson Williams is very close, but I dropped him a little bit. He came in at a 75.4 for me. Traylon Burks came in at a 78. So there's a a little over a two-point gap there for me. And Jameson Williams fell into that second tier it's not necessarily skill talent because I do think it's there. He did struggle with some drops. And again, I mean, you know, as an Ohio State fan, I understand that it was Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and they are incredible wide receiver prospects. But JSN was also beating him out for playing time, who, again, might end up being the best wide receiver in that entire room at the end of this year, better than get Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were. But I do think it means a little bit to me that he wasn't able to beat those guys out. I may end up at the end of the day being wrong on Jameson Williams, but I do have him at four. I know a lot of people have him higher. I, I think he's a really good player. I got George Pickens at five, Chris Olave at six, David Bell still graded very high for me. He comes in at seven, Jahan Dotson at eight, Alec Pierce at nine, Sky Moore at 10, Christian Watson at 11, and then my guy Calvin Austin at 12. Calvin Austin is a guy that, I am 100% likely going to end up on with every on every single one of my rookie teams because I think everybody is just going to completely fade him because he's 5'9". We've seen it the past couple of years. Like I've already seen it all over Twitter. Oh, he's the next Tutu Atwell. If you watch Tutu Atwell play and then you go watch Calvin Austin play, there's a major difference in the way those two guys play. Calvin Austin is an actual route runner. He separates. He's... I believe Joe, I see is in the chat. He mentioned something about Tyler batting. He brought it up on the last episode. He ran 90% of his routes on the outside. Now, do I think he does that in the NFL? Probably not. But I think with the way he can separate and how quick he is in the short game and the long game, he is a literal track star. He got onto Memphis with a scholarship as a track player and then walked onto the football team. He can win in multiple ways out of the slot. I personally don't think he's going to have any injury, any issues really with injuries that's obviously hard to predict but he never struggled with that in college and it's i understand he was playing in the uh, the american athletic it wasn't the sec but you're still getting hit by big dudes really hard really fast like you can't say he wasn't playing in junior high he wasn't playing in a juco he was playing college football at a top tier level he never really dealt with injury so for me i think that that shows that he can handle it in the nfl he's the guy that i'm 100 willing to bet on and Alec Pierce. And I was, like I said, I was surprised to see that you had him up there with yours as well. I think he's a really good wide receiver. I I think, um, I know, I want to say it was, it was Hanson. You'll probably be able to tell me because I heard it the other day. Was he the one who comped him to Marquise Colston? Uh, It might have been Kaplan or Cosell that was on the show with him. Someone someone comped him to Marquise Colson, and I really like that because well, I think if he goes to an offense that uses him that way, like he could be very good for fantasy. The the big difference between him and Colson, though, is Colson wasn't fast. Like Smith uh, Pierce is fast. My yeah. my my biggest 
my biggest opportunity I see with Pierce is that he doesn't get in and out of breaks real well because he is so big and he runs so fast. So he kind of telegraphs his moves just by the nature of how he has to execute them. But we also saw teams take DK Metcalf by teams. I mean, Seattle, we saw them take DK Metcalf and say, well, until you figure out how to improve these other things, we're just going to have you do the stuff you do well. And a lot more teams, I think, are starting to look at players through that lens. They, they are starting to focus on, well, how can this, this particular weapon be successful for my team? And then they have them start to do that. It's like with Calvin Austin. I don't have him very high. I, I just – I think I've got him at 17. I, I, I see a lot of the things he does um, – but I, I guess I have to see it translate to the NFL. And so I'm probably going to be late on hit, late to the game with him because I, I have to see it versus, say, Alec Pierce. And, and it could be because I am admittedly team big wide receiver, so I'm more willing to take the shot there on Pierce than I am on Austin. For me, I was kind of going back and forth at 12 between Pierce, uh, Khalil Shakir, uh, Jalen Tolbert, they were really my guys. I'm out on Bell. I mean, Bell is J.J. Ortega Whiteside 2.0. Uh, I, I feel like he's a decent enough catcher of the ball, but I'm starting to you – know, I used to love guys that won contested catches. But more and more what I see is I was an idiot because more and more guys that are good at contested catches – have to be good at contested catches because they can't get open. So I'm working on kind of developing a model that takes separate, like where's the, where's the axis of contested catch and separation? Like what is the sweet spot there? You have to have, if, if you're a wide receiver that wins at contested catches, but you don't get any separation, you're probably not going to succeed. But if you get one yard or 1.25 yards of separation or 0.75 yards, you know, there's going to be a number that I think settles in in that model and shows, well, if you can get, because you're six foot three or six foot four, getting half of the separation of a guy who's five foot 10 is bet is fairly equal. Brand new concept I just had this week that I have done virtually no work except roll it around in my mind. <laughs> Could be complete bullshit, witchcraft, or it might I might be onto something. Yeah, I, 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 I have this argument with people all the time on David Bell, and I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just looking at the wrong thing here. I, I do think that he separates just fine. He's not a vertical threat. He's not separating down the field. But he is so good in the short intermediate area. I've said it for the past two years, um, and even coming into this year, I said it not not necessarily as a player. But like I feel like he's going to be the Rashad Bateman of this class. Like he's just going to continually to be disrespected as a player because he's just good. He's not great, and he's going to go and he's going to get decent draft capital. I don't think he's going to go round one like Bateman did, but I still think he gets decent draft capital. I think he's going to be good in the NFL. Like. He gets open so consistently in the middle of the field. Like, I agree with you. When he goes deep, it's nothing but contested catches. That's just because he can't separate. He doesn't have that speed. 
But in the short area, he's so technically sound. He's so good at creating separation when he needs to. I do think that he has to go probably to a decent team or at least a team with a decent quarterback because if he goes to a team like, let's say, Atlanta, I don't know that Mariota is going to force him the ball if he only has like half a foot of separation, something like that. He's going to need a guy like, well, Rodgers can make anybody better. That was the name that topped up in my head. I mean, I could probably go. Yeah, I could go play with Aaron Rodgers and he'd make me look like a Hall of Famer for at least half a season. So I, I just, I think David Bell is going to be better than a lot of people give him credit for. I think he's very technically sound, but he's definitely not sexy or flashy or or a guy that's that has like a real trait that separates him from a lot of these other guys but I, I still like bell a lot he's like i said he graded him pretty high for me and i i do uh, i'm very intrigued to see he's one of those so the way i would put it jamison williams even though he is in tier two for me i think kind of i would argue goes in with these tier one guys and that is that I think Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and for me, Traylon Burks can go to practically any offense, and I think that they will succeed as wide receivers and fantasy assets. And I think Jamison Williams is kind of right there as well. Most of the other guys, for me, I do think are somewhat scheme-dependent, and their landing spot could change things for me a little bit here and there just based on how much more I'd be willing to take a shot on them. If a Chris Olave ends up, oh, I've seen him to Green Bay a lot, goes to Green Bay. If he ends up with with Herbert and the Chargers, like he's a guy like I have him very high anyways, but I might take him over a Jameson Williams if Williams goes to a team I don't like because I just like the landing spot better. But at the end of the day, I, I think a lot of those guys, for me, lower-tiered guys, the landing spot will matter a little bit of well, I'm, whether I'm willing to take a shot on them or not. All right. Who do you think uh, – so – of guys outside of your top 12, who do you think between now and the end of the draft could could bump their way up into the top 12? Uh, so two guys that were fairly close for me at to my 12 were Khalil Shakir and John Mechie. I like both of them as wide receivers. Probably Mechie. I, it's crazy to say because he he played for Alabama, right, which is a good offense. But I think because of the way that Bryce Young really kind of targeted Jamison Williams this past year, the year prior, it was all about Devonta Smith and Mac Jones, which is always connecting with him. They had Waddle. I kind of feel like Mechie was just kind of a forgotten guy, and I could definitely see him going into the NFL and then producing as as a top end. No, I shouldn't say top end. I think he would be like a low-end wide receiver two, probably wide receiver three type. But he's the guy that I, I feel like not a lot of people are talking about that I could probably see getting decent draft capital on a guy that I would be willing to take a bet on. And I like Khalil Shakir a lot as well. I mean, he was just absolutely amazing uh, for Boise. Uh, you know, he's one of the very few G5 guys that I'd be willing to bet on in this draft. I Christian Watson rated high for me, and a lot of that is just because of how fast he is. I probably am not going to end up with him in any of my drafts, though. There, I, I still have questions about his game, and I, I don't know that he's going to be... I've seen a lot of people have him like top five, top six. I mean, he came in as 12 for me, or sorry, 11. I feel like I'm going to miss out on a lot of Christian Watson. I think he's getting overrated just a little bit because of that speed. So Khalil Shakir, John Mechie, those are two guys I'd probably end up taking over Christian Watson in drafts. Yeah, I I mean, I have Watson at eight, so he's probably somewhere around 202 to 205 
in drafts for me. And I don't know if I, if, if I can get him at the 204, I'm probably taking him. But there's probably other guys I like better if I'm at 201, 202. Um, you know, for me, it's it's the same guys you mentioned that are just outside Shakir and uh, Jalen Tolbert. And, and, well, I have Austin at 17, so I'm going to go with him. He's probably the guy I could see rising. He needs to go somewhere um, where there's a path to the slot position. If he can slide into the slot position right away and, and you know, become Hunter Renfro with a little more long speed, then I think Wat, uh, Watkins uh, ha- or Austin, excuse me, Austin has the opportunity to, to really step up and go. You know, Pickens, I, I love Pickens' tenacity. Reports that he's a diva, and I my my approach is like, well, he's a wide receiver. You know, what are you going to do? But he, to me, like, I could see him playing that outside role like A.J. Green did. You know, that's that's he's that classic guy out there. Going to run some good routes. He's got good bend in his, his ankles. I've seen some videos of him where it's like, He's like sideways running just about uh, because of the bend he has in his ankles. And, and he's a tenacious uh, ball guy. For for me, it, it if he doesn't go early, like I'd, I'd love for Detroit to grab him at 32 and pair him with Amon Ross, A. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, and DeAndre Swift. With that offensive line, Jared Goff might actually look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Joe has mentioned in the chat. Uh, you you'd also mentioned Jalen Tolbert that he thinks he's an interesting uh, deeper draft guy. I do agree with that, and especially if he does, there's a lot of mocks that have him going to Cleveland. If you've got Tolbert paired with Watson for the future, I would be very very intrigued to see kind of what he is because I don't know that I don't think Cooper is going to be there long term I, I wouldn't be surprised if Cooper they can get out of his contract after this year I think that they probably will so if they have Tolbert there is kind of like the one of the key guys moving forward uh, I do think that'd be a very interesting fit for the Browns and and for Tolbert Calvin Austin my favorite spot for him has been Buffalo like if Buffalo can get him to, to for him to come in there and replace Cole Beasley, we saw how often Allen was willing to target Cole Beasley, and and he's so much more explosive. I think that'd be a very very fun offense to see him go to. But my luck, he's going to end up going to like Seattle, and then it's just going to be it's dead, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cry myself to sleep next Friday night because I do I said it on Debbie debate, and I have the clip saved, and when it happens, I will be playing it. I said like four months ago, whenever the Senior Bowl was, because I don't even remember. Now. Was that February? Is it February or January? I can't remember February. February, we did a Senior Bowl preview show for Debbie Debate, and we talked about who's the player you think could rise from the Senior Bowl and get early draft capital, and my guy was Calvin Austin. I said, I think he goes day two. He's going to go out there. He's going to crush the Senior Bowl. He's going to crush the Combine. He's going to jump up there because I think he's a really good player. And so far, those other two narratives have happened. Now I just need him to get that day two draft capital, and it's going to be all things looking up for Calvin Austin. All right, so the tight ends. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I just ranked these guys based on just what I think they are talent-wise because I I hate projecting tight ends. I, I just think it's the hardest position to predict even harder than quarterbacks because these guys have to learn 
everything from blocking schemes to route running to entire offensive schemes. It's, it's ridiculous. And every team uses multiple tight ends different ways. So I, I really have no idea how to rank these guys. So I really only have four guys that I like in this class that I'd be willing to take a bet on. How deep did you go at tight end and who are your top guys? Well, I have Trey McBride at one, Greg Dulcich at two, Daniel Bellinger at three, Charlie Kohler at four, Kate Otten at five, Jeremy Ruckert at six, Jalen Wiedermeyer at seven. And that's, to me, that's other than the rest of it, kind of becomes flyers. You know, yeah, I, so I've, my... I've got on the list Cole Turner, Jelani Woods, Grant Calcaterra. And really, Calcaterra and Turner are the two that interest me. I agree with you on that. So those two guys are further down my list as well. But just how good they are offensively, I agree. Cole Turner and Grant Grant Calcaterra are very interesting to me. So my top guys, I have Trey McBride at one as well. Greg Dolchez at two. I have Charlie Kohler at three just because of how well he tested. I think he is a very good, technically sound, blocking tight end and receiving tight end. At four, I have... Where'd my list go? Let me pull that back up. Uh, four, I have Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin, who also did very well testing and everything. And then five, I have Jeremy Ruckert. Uh, my biggest fear with Ruckert is he has not been able to do anything in any of the pre-draft stuff because of that foot injury he's had. And I'd be very curious if that hurts his draft capital, but I do think he's a very good tight end. We've seen him make amazing catches at Ohio State. We know he's got really good hands. They just don't ask those guys to do that much offensively. But I also do think he's a very he's a decent blocker. He's not the best in this class, but I do think he's a good blocker. Um, he's got a guy that I'll obviously be rooting for to get drafted, and I'm very curious to see where he goes. But those are my top five. And like you just mentioned, I'm with you on Cole Turner. Um, and my goodness, his name just jumped out of my head. Grant Calcantara as well uh, as lower guys that I'd be very interested in taking just depending on where they go. Yeah. With, with, with a lot of these guys, they're sort of, they're good two way tight ends and it's going to come down to how do they develop when they get to the NFL in college, they're decent enough blockers. They're not super athletic, but they're athletic or he catches the ball. Dulcich is kind of the same way. Uh, Rucker, again, same thing. He he makes good catches. He's a good blocker, but he he's not going to break many tackles. So that being said, you have to be on the field to catch passes, but you don't want to become, you know, Drew Sample, who was drafted in the second round by the Bengals, and everybody's like, we must have missed something, you know, and four years later, we're sitting here going, nope, they just drafted a blocking tight end in the second round. That's just what they did. Yeah. And uh, so it, it it could end up with some of these guys, you know, getting third or fourth round draft capital, but the team's looking at them and going, well, we've got a pass catching tight end. We need a tight end that's going to get in there and knock heads and, and, and catch the occasional pass. Yeah, I I can see some of these guys, you know, like Dulcich or Kohler or Ruckert kind of being in that uh uh oh shit, what's his name? Kyle Rudolph, sort of in his mold. He's on the field and in one tight end sets, he's gonna get targets. But in two tight end sets, they're gonna go to Irv Smith. 
and so to me, that Cole Turner and uh, Calcaterra, those are the those two guys are kind of the Mark Andrews type of tight ends. You know, Andrews didn't start a lot of games, but he catches all the passes in Baltimore. It's there's there's no it's crazy to me. I look at it, and I go, look, just let him start the first snap, put him out there. So, you know, he's going to catch you a hundred passes for you and you're going to have his, you're going to look at his, his stat line. And it's like, Oh, 17 games played one game started a hundred receptions. To me, that's ridiculous. Um, but Calcaterra, you know, he was that, he, he was behind Andrews at, at Oklahoma and kind of played that same type of role. So uh, I'll be interesting, interested to watch that one. Yeah, those two, I think, really have to go to like offensive friendly landing spots for the tight end position. They they really, I think, need to go somewhere that's going to use that skill set for them. I don't think that either one is great at blocking. Calcaterra, too, also dealt with a concussion, retired, came back to football, had a really good year last year. So I'm hoping to see him at least get his name called. None of these guys are going round one. If one does, I'd be shocked. Do any or how many or how many do you think possibly go day two and who if you do think anybody does? Uh, day two guys, I, I'm leaning, you know, two to three. So I could see McBride, Dolchich, you know, and then Bellinger or Kohler being the third guy on day two. I think it's two. I think it's Dolchich and uh and McBride. I, I don't know that any others will just because this is, it's very deep at some other positions. I'd be very curious to see how many tight ends go, but that will do it for us today. Again, as uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, join us on Monday. We will be live with Scott Barrett from fantasy points. You can follow him at Scott Barrett DFB on Twitter. We are excited for that. And then obviously we will be live again next Friday recapping the first round of the draft. Dennis, any thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, who are we kidding? They already follow Scott. Go follow well, Matt at Sports true. Fanatic MB or me at Culture underscore Coach. Well, I would hope if they're listening to this, they already follow us as well. But yeah, I guess you never know. But yeah, Scott's got like a million followers. He's, he's doing all right for himself. So everybody enjoy the weekend. At this point in time next week, we'll be getting excited for the second and third round. It's always a great weekend with the NFL draft kicking off. So I cannot wait for that. We will talk to you guys again soon. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!